0: Welcome to another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast. My name is Jeremy Orden, one of the partners with the Orden Writer Group at Allen Tate. Each week, we'll break down a real estate topic share stories related to the topic, or have guests with experience in various facets of real estate, and then discuss something about our city that makes it unique. This could be restaurants, things to do, fun facts, or well virtually anything about Charlotte, because Charlotte is such an amazing city with limitless opportunities. The idea of continuing to educate our clients to the real estate market so they can make the best decision for their family is a commitment we stand behind, and hopefully each of these episodes will leave at least a little pearl of wisdom with our listeners. Let's get started. For this week's episode, I am joined once again by my business partner and good friend, Brittany Osborne. For anyone who has worked with our team in the past on the listing side, they know that Brittany is the person who also handles our staging and design consultations. Her experience and amazing eye for detail helps spaces become elevated And her ability to really enhance her room leads to amazing results. Brittany, welcome back to the podcast, this time out of the host chair and back into the interview chair.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be back.
0: For this week's episode, Brittany and I are going to be discussing a topic that has come up a lot recently with sellers, and that is awesome home improvement projects that may not have a return on investment.
1: That's right, Jeremy. And, you know, we're not saying that these are not improvements or investments that you should not make to your home. However, a lot of the items that we are talking about are really personalized improvements that contribute more to the enjoyment of your home versus bringing a defined return on investment. The enjoyment tax is high with these ones.
0: Enjoyment tax is a phrase that you and I use a lot. Can you explain that for our audience before we jump into our list?
1: Of course. So enjoyment tax is when you pay for something because it brings you joy or more functionality. However, it may not bring a return on your investment necessarily. I think about a swimming pool, for example. You know, the pool obviously changes the value of your home. But what if you have color-changing LED lights in the pool or maybe a custom emblem in the tile work? Those additions are not necessarily changing the value of the pool at all. Um... And, you know, for the majority of prospective buyers, but they fall under the enjoyment category of the owner at that particular time.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great definition. So you and I had a list of items that we felt did enhance the enjoyment of a home, but do not necessarily change the value of the home. Some of these might entice a buyer but they don't necessarily correlate to a change in value. So why don't you kick us off with the first item that came to your mind?
1: Yeah, so the first thing that I thought of was actually like beverage centers. I'm, you know, we're seeing this a lot, whether it's a high-end mini fridge or something more pared down, like a, you know, a dorm refrigerator or something like that, even a wine fridge. Um, we see it a lot with coffee stations. Um, these can certainly be functional and extremely desirable, But you're not going to have a direct correlation with value associated with those things.
0: I like that example. And when you first brought it up, I almost disagreed with you because we see a lot of amazing like butler pantries with these and higher end kitchens have dedicated beverage centers that certainly increases the appeal.
1: You're right. And the reason why I take this opinion is that we're talking about return on investment. So if you remove a cabinet, for example, in a butler's pantry and you replace it with a beverage center, you may be increasing the appeal or aesthetic of that space. But you're going to see a monetary. But are you going to actually see a monetary return on that investment? In my experience, no. You know, it might make the space more desirable. However, financially speaking, it's really about enhancing your enjoyment of the space, you know, and the aesthetics. The aesthetics truly, um, versus having a dollar for dollar return. You know, I also think it's important since we're getting into our list of items that I'm not suggesting to not install a beverage center if it will bring you more use or enjoyment out of the space. We're simply talking about measurable return on measurable, excuse me, return on investment. Because a lot of times our clients will say when we go in for staging consultations, well, this is a list of all the things I did to the house, and that's great. And I always say we're going to use that in marketing. Um, And we're going to use that in our photography and kind of how we describe your house. But those things aren't necessarily going to bring you money back in terms of the list price.
0: I think that's a really good example. Of course, the next item that I'm going to bring up is like higher end toilets, like smart toilets and bidets. (laughs) Right.
1: I can't even believe this is something we're discussing. And it's certainly something that you are much more passionate about than I.
0: I I must certainly agree with you. I mean, my wife and I made the investment into our home, into one of like the Toto Toilet bidet systems. I had seen a lot of clients with these bidet seats and these systems and got really curious about them. And it's not an inexpensive investment, but we decided that it's something that we wanted to do. I knew when we made the investment that we weren't going to Like have a return on investment on that. No one was ever going to walk in and be like, oh, this house is worth like X amount dollars more because they have this toilet. They would just say, that's a nice feature. It wasn't really going to show up on a net sheet.
1: Again, I still can't believe we're talking about this, but you are absolutely a big fan of these.
0: I just think it's super cool, but it's a fixture that's going to remain with the house and the likelihood of the value of my home changing because of that is slim to none.
1: Right, and I think this is another important point to pause on. Bathroom fixtures like the plumbing selections, faucets, shower systems, and hardware, they do have a measurable a measurable return on investment when evaluating the overall space. In fact, statistically, an upgrade in plumbing fixtures can have as much as 50% return on investment, with shower fixtures nearly correlating to a 90% return on investment.
0: However, a house needs a toilet, and whether it's a basic toilet or a super high-end one, That return is not going to be enough to justify the cost if you're looking at it beyond like the enjoyment tax equation.
1: Exactly. And I think that brings us to the next topic, which is going to be home automation.
0: Oh, you're going to kill me with this one because I love home automation.
1: This is one of the things that's come up a lot more frequently in the last few years. Everything from smart switches and lights to security systems and cameras.
0: You know, I need to jump in on this one because we all have those things in our house And, like, for me, like, our home automation brings me a lot of joy. It just makes life easier. Like, we have our house set up where I can say, Alexa, it's TV time. And the lamps go on in our great room, ceiling fan turns on, and the kitchen and breakfast lights turn off. It's it's so cool.
1: You know, automation is super cool and functional. But, like, my house is not smart at all so it's something that can be very personalized and it's more important to some people than others we we definitely don't have a smart house some people might want to do Google based systems or Amazon based systems and others might want to avoid these kinds of things because they're intimidated by it Um, while the financial investment is not super high-end once again it could be something that a buyer appreciates you know it's not necessarily something that will have a direct return on investment and now that I think about it we have a nest that's as smart as we get in our house a nest
0: I mean, the nests are amazing because you can adjust the thermostat without your wife ever knowing that you're touching the <laughs> thermostat. So you or mentioned... your
1: children, because our children love to do that.
0: So uh, we have the Nest systems, and on the level where our kids' bedrooms are, I have that thermostat locked. So yeah, I can... that's
1: I think that's a feature we forgot to turn on.
0: Yeah, it's the ultimate dad move. Like I never need to argue with my kids about adjusting the thermostat because they literally cannot.
1: Yeah, we're gonna have to look into that.
0: So you mentioned video systems on this one. I'm assuming with the video systems, you're really also talking about like security also.
1: Yeah, so this past week, I was meeting with a client who had invested a significant amount of money into a home security system that had cameras, automated door locks, doorbell camera network thermostats, smoke and carbon monoxide detectors, all of it was incorporated in that system. It was a pretty over the top system that made them feel better. However, it's not an investment that would ultimately alter their market value. you know. And again, this is something that some buyers can see and think is really cool, but another buyer would not necessarily care, you know, and they're not gonna change their offer price because of the system. So again, in this case, we tell our clients, listen, it's amazing that you invested these things. It's a great marketing feature. But you know we're not necessarily going to change the list price based on this security or this high tech security type of system.
0: So with security systems, and you and I have seen this a lot. Sometimes they can actually turn off potential buyers, either because of the monthly cost, or you know I've even had buyers wonder like if there's a problem in the neighborhood because the system's installed.
1: I think for the most part in today's world we aren't really seeing people being turned off to security cameras. Um, I mean, doorbell cameras are very, very common today. However, we've seen a lot of creative negotiations when a contract for a security system needs to be conveyed.
0: You know, my wife and I ran into this with our first home that we sold. We had to agree to pay for an entire year of coverage for the buyer because of the contract we had. The fact that the buyer didn't want the system and we weren't in in a position to have that contract transferred to our new home.
1: Right. And again, I'm not saying that you should not install the best security system for your family. Because again, you're living in the house. You have to do what what makes you comfortable. However, we're just highlighting the fact that that investment may not have any mass market return.
0: Brittany, what about barn doors?
1: I love a barn door.
0: That's why I'm asking you.
1: Barn doors. And you know, that term is used more loosely. Like I recently had a, a listing where my clients installed a barn type door, but it was a much more modern feel. Um... So they're really great for saving space, and that's exactly why my clients did this. They had a bathroom beside a clo- um, their primary closet, and it was a lot of doors in addition to the you know the door to the space. And so it just gave that wall a much more clean, streamlined look in addition to the functionality. Um, you know, and giving giving that kind of accent to a space will enhance the functionality, especially if it's an open space that needs some privacy. Um, additionally, they're on trend, so a lot of people will see that type of door and they love the way it feels
0: yeah i mean they're also on trend so you know it's definitely something that's there so it sounds like you're saying that a barn door can actually have a pretty solid return on investment.
1: Well, and that's the thing. That that's where the problem comes in. As a potential buyer, you know, would they want to necessarily pay more for a home if it has a barn door versus having a swinging door? You know, would you pay the same amount for a real reclaimed wood barn door versus a mass-produced one that maybe has more of a modern sleek feel? You know, we've seen barn door kit pricing that starts as low as 50 bucks and i you know i've been with clients who have invested thousands of dollars into a custom barn door it's almost like your toilet example where a home you know a home needs a toilet a home needs a door or a toilet so regardless of the investment you make you know you're going to see a similar return
0: but barn doors are really popular and people love them it gives an updated appeal
1: but we're specifically talking about return on investment and financially speaking, a barn door or feature door like that might make a space more desirable and functional, but may not have a dollar correlation.
0: It makes me think of like audio video systems.
1: That's, that's another thing that is all about you because this is not where my brain goes. So tell me more about kind of what you're thinking as far as that topic's concerned.
0: For this, I'm, I'm not really thinking specifically about theater rooms when I thought about it. But, you know, let's use that as an example. Traditionally, like, a theater does add value to a home, but what about the level of the system that's installed there? That's that's kind of what I was referring to. So, if you have a surround sound system, are you going to see a difference in your return based off of whether you have kind of a general generic system or whether you have some amazing, like, Macintosh system? Like, likely no. Furthermore, when it comes to theater rooms, I've seen some amazing ones with stadium-style, like, pedestal seating and theater seating and oftentimes when writing offers or receiving offers on these properties we ask for those items to convey with the home again it's something that might really entice a buyer but are we going to be seeing a substantial return on investment with those investments
1: right i mean i've written a lot of offers asking for theater seating to be included and all of that equipment to be included into the sale of the home
0: and it goes back to what we're saying having an awesome home theater will certainly bring you know, a return on investment. But whether you install like a $500 sound system or a $25,000 sound system, right. buyers really kind of want their just to be sound. And unless they're an audiophile, they may not see the value in that. The, the system that's installed isn't bringing that same level of return based off of just having the functionality that's there.
1: Let's go back to wine.
0: Why does it always come back to wine with you?
1: Wine makes the world a better place. And I kind of want to talk about wine storage in this next section.
0: So do you mean like a wine cellar? Because we've seen that those have an amazing return on investment.
1: Um, No, I don't necessarily mean something as crazy as that. I'm talking about something as simple as, you know, a really nice display case or hanging shelf. You know, in our house, we had... um, in our kitchen we had like that old section for a desk right that was that was below the countertop so we raised that and then there was just this space there so we went ahead and had a custom wine shelf built um, to just be able to store you know our different wine bottles doesn't have to be as crazy as an actual wine cellar although don't get me wrong I would love love that. (laughs)
0: I'm sure you would love a wine cellar. I mean, who wouldn't? Well, that's the thing. So it sounds like you're talking about like either a built-in or like a piece of furniture.
1: Right. So in recent years, we've seen some amazing, beautiful pieces of of artwork and built-ins that display wine or even really cool hanging wine displays. Again, this is not necessarily going to change the value of your home, but gosh, it looks so good. And it's a really good marketing piece. Like we had ours done in more of like a, a chevron pattern. So it's Aesthetically really beautiful, even without the wine in there. Um, It's just, it's a good focal point.
0: So are you suggesting not to do these things then?
1: No, I think if it brings you joy or it increases the functionality or feel of that space, then I'm the biggest advocate of it. Again, what was that space doing for me in my kitchen? I mean, at one point we had a recycling bin in there. It didn't look good. Um, We certainly weren't going to put a chair there. You know, we're not sitting there using it as a desk. Um, So for us and for our home and the way we live, it made more sense to have that be you know, a a pretty focal point that was also functional for wine storage. I think that just because something may not increase the value of your home in a definitive manner doesn't mean that it doesn't increase the desirability of your home.
0: Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that.
1: Well, I think it's really where I wanted to go with this topic. So I might go off on one of your patented Jeremy tangents here. I don't necessarily love the sound of my voice as much as you love the sound of your voice. But that hurt. we have listed a lot of different products, uh, projects, improvements or enhancements that can be made to a home that may not have a specific return on investment. They do enhance the experience of the home. Um, and aesthetically what it looks like. And as you and I have discussed, a home is worth what a buyer is willing to pay for it. You know, we price homes in line with the comparable properties and off of our experience looking at the current market conditions. So let's say you have a home and I'm just gonna use your example of 500,000. It receives a ton of attention because it has a really cool home theater, home automation. They have one of your bidet toilets, amazing beverage center built into the kitchen. Multiple people are looking at this home. The combination of all of the upgrades when looking at this as a whole entices buyers to look at the entire home versus the sum of its individual parts. And that's where you may see a financial return because overall they're feeling like, wow, they've really put a lot of, you know, they've put a lot into this home and made a lot of improvements to the home.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's looking at the entire home and the overall experience for the, you know, new potential homeowner versus the individualized items.
1: Exactly, and one thing that, that I really believe in that we say all the time is the market will always speak. I think back to a listing we had in Weddington um, that had one of the most stunning bathroom renovations I've ever seen. The investment into that bathroom was 20% of the value of the home. Obviously, there's no financial way that this would you know have the right return. However, the market spoke based on the offers we received.
0: And with that, Brittany, I think you encapsulated the entire concept of what we're talking about this week, that you should make the investments into your house that will bring you the most enjoyment out of your home. For me, it was a stupid toilet, but I, I really like that, you know, we're, you know, when it comes to like the toilet, like I've become like this walking, talking billboard <laughs> for this thing.
1: Oh my God, the toilet again.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just keeps coming back to that. It's super cool. As I was saying, you should make these investments into your home regardless of whether you're going to get the money back out of it, because it brings you joy and it makes the home more your own and it better meets your needs. The finances and return on that investment are not always the most important aspect.
1: That's right. And there's nothing wrong with an enjoyment tax. That's why we call it enjoyment. You may not get any return when you sell the home, but, you know... Do you only spend money in your home in order to get it back? Or is it about the experience you have while you're living there? And again, we say this all the time. We're your partners, you know, moving forward. Once you close on the home, that doesn't mean that we're not still in your life. And if you're curious about if you should make certain investments or what we think, or if you're wondering, will this bring me a return? Or is this kind of a waste of money? We're here. Always ask us those questions. But I think what we're trying to say is it's okay to make improvements. And I say that with air quotes that are going to make you happy. And you don't necessarily need to stress about that return on investment.
0: I think you just summed it up better than I could.
1: Would
0: you stick stick around for the entertainment
1: portion? Uh, I will, but I mean, did you think that you were going to get rid of me that easily?
0: Well, for this week's entertainment topic... Brittany and I are going to discuss something that neither of us are really, truly experts on. But we've invested a lot of time meeting with people, having these conversations so that we could bring you this conversation. But this is something that has come up from our audience asking us to have a topic on. So Brittany and I have had multiple conversations with people in our sphere People we know in order to get ready for this, we've invested the hours of research in order to come off as quasi-experts on this.
1: That's right. One of the biggest things that our clients ask us when they're moving to Charlotte is how do they meet people outside of the people directly in their neighborhood?
0: I'll be the first to admit, you know, like I just said, I'm not really the expert in this. Like, I don't know if I've reached the point in like a certain age or decided I'm just done meeting new people through <laughs> anything other than like work, kids, activities or gatherings.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. I think I'm probably more comfortable meeting new people than you are. I'm just going to take the liberty to say that. Um, but... You know, in my experience, I've always met people through work, um, you know, kid activities and things like that, school, preschool. And that's kind of what today's all about, meeting new people in Charlotte. There are a ton of options available. And across the board, a number of my friends told me that their favorite way of meeting people is through different meetup groups.
0: What's a meetup group?
1: So meetup groups are an online basically it's an online facilitator that helps people with similar interests to connect with each other in person. So there's thousands of meetup groups available in Charlotte. You can easily go online and search for things that you have an interest in or experience in. And you can search for something new that you may want to try, um, you know, and experience experience it there in those groups, gathering, you know, in different gatherings and events where you can meet people.
0: So what types of groups are there?
1: A lot of different groups, like Limitless Options. Some are focused more on physical activities like hiking, cycling, motorcycles, running clubs, and then they'll like meet up at a brewery afterwards, which is really cute. Others are book clubs, poetry groups, and there's even one for Charlotte musicians. It's pretty
0: cool. It's like different clubs in a neighborhood like Sun City.
1: I would never have necessarily come up with that description, but it does seem like an accurate comparison. It's like, you know, kind of like being in high school and you're joining all these different clubs. So it's it's sort of like that.
0: It's funny that you go back to a high school reference for comparison and I immediately go to like a 55 plus comparison. <laughs> it just shows the difference in like where our minds oh are. i I'm, in I'm lives. still
1: hanging on to my youth and you've really just you've just mailed it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
0: sure how I should react to that. Oh so the one method that numerous people I discussed with Um, kept bringing up that they've made like new friends with and things like that is networking events in Charlotte.
1: Yeah, that's another really good one.
0: So Charlotte's such a hub of business and entrepreneurship that networking events really allow people to meet other people with similar interests and experiences with the veil of like professional networking. It's like LinkedIn, but in real life.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah.
0: So I know that with, like, networking groups that I've been a part of, like, it, it's led me to, like, really great friendships, even if they began by us simply gathering to discuss something more professional.
1: The other great thing about these networking groups is they can also help, obviously, in a professional aspect. So I know from my networking group experience, I've met some amazing people who've helped our clients, and those have been some amazing relationships.
0: What's next on your list?
1: Okay, anybody who knows me knows that I'm really passionate about Service And it's like, you know, I always say there's just these different phases of life. And when I was working in education, my life was service. So having changed careers and having young children, I'm always trying to find a way back to being involved in the community. And I think that volunteering is an amazing way to not only meet new people, but also be able to give back while you're doing it. Um, So I try to be involved in the kids' schools and volunteer in their classrooms. And then recently, our team was a sponsor for the American Cancer Society's Relay for Life in Charlotte. And even before the event, as we did fundraising, it was just a really good opportunity to meet new people. I connected with the new director there. Come to find out that we're both from the same, you know, town up north. And he had like, you know, he already knew what Howard Hanna was just because it was, again, his hometown realty, realty firm. So it was just really funny to connect on that level as well.
0: Doesn't it seem weird to volunteer to meet new people?
1: Well, I don't think you should necessarily be only volunteering to meet new people. But I think that, you know, from these conversations I've had with people, volunteering is an amazing way that you end up meeting people because you're gathering together, you know, because you believe in something similar. So you plan and work together and naturally these relationships develop because you're, you know, passionate about the same things.
0: It reminds me of how, like, my wife became really good friends with a group of moms who all hung out. Together while their kids were at dance lessons.
1: Exactly. I mean, you're in the same, you know, chapter in your life. You're going through the same things. You gather and you work together, volunteering for an organization and giving back, you know, and these relationships just develop. I think it's one of the best and most genuine ways to meet people when you're moving to a new place.
0: So in preparing for this week, because as I said, I am not the expert on meeting new people. I asked numerous people in my sphere how they met like new friends. Half of these people looked at me like I was crazy, but there was something that a lot of people mentioned to me, and that was a joining um, an adult sports league.:
1: Well, I'm going to have as much experience with this as your fancy toilet because we all know I'm not an athlete, but <laughs> tell me more.:
0: So in Charlotte, there's numerous leagues that, you know, have everything from like baseball, softball, dodgeball, kickball, pickleball and volleyball.
1: It's actually really fun, and I remember my husband was um, on a basketball league years ago, and I would go watch the games. It was it was really fun.
0: So my friends who are part of these leagues, they they love them. It gives them a chance to engage in an activity while also meeting other people. Additionally, and especially like if it's a team based activity, you develop these relationships with people, and it's a great way to meet new people. The common theme that everyone that I talked to mentioned was that it wasn't really about the competition as much as getting together, being social, and playing a game.
1: A hundred percent. And, you know, I'm just thinking back to other previous um, co-workers that I had that were really, really involved in a volleyball league. And I mean, we're talking intense, like they would travel for it. And it was just, it's a huge part of their social life. And I just, as still being friends with them on social media, I see that it's something that they they still do a lot. And I, I think that's awesome. Um, so this sort of also ties in with the next one on my list, which is more my speed. And that's going to be like joining a, bu- a book club.
0: Aren't most book clubs just excuses to get together and drink wine?
1: I mean, I personally don't need an excuse to get together with someone and drink wine. Um, but yes, it just depends on your book club. I, you know, I, there, I've there i been in formal book clubs where it, it did definitely more turn into just like, let's sit and chat and have, you know, hors d'oeuvres and, and a cocktail. Um, And then I'm in more informal ones, you know, with with people that I've met in my neighborhood, just like chatting at the pool about, oh, what book are you reading right now? Um, I think that the end result may sometimes be just chatting and getting together. But there are numerous book clubs in our area and many neighborhoods have have their own book clubs, while other ones are really public um, and another meetup kind of a venue, an avenue like that. But ultimately, the benefit of a book club method is just that you're not necessarily into doing something physical, Um, you can just enjoy a great book and also gather with people to talk about it. And again, you may also drink wine or coffee because we're really, you know, we want to reach all the groups on our podcast here. You don't have to drink alcohol to have fun. It comes back to wine. I I know. Now you're making me uncomfortable. So,
0: you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, I've never been part of a book club because it always seemed like something like my wife was involved with and I was never invited. But... (laughs) Like, I would like to be part of a book club.
1: I mean, you know, I I can give you plenty of books to read, although I have a feeling my genre is slightly different than your genre. Probably. So um, I think that coming back to the meetup, (laughs) There is a wine aficionado group. Furthermore, there are also wine tasting clubs and people can join. There's also just so many different avenues to be able to meet people. And it all really takes stepping outside of your comfort zone. I think that's the biggest thing. And just exploring what options are out there.
0: Well, I think there you have it. You've just moved to Charlotte. You don't want to only meet people who you work with. And we just gave you all the clues on how to meet some new people, right?
1: So simple, right?
0: Exactly. I, I think it's you know really what you just said. It's you know finding different avenues and putting in the initiative and time. A lot of what we came up with on this list are things that you know for someone like me, I might be initially uncomfortable with it, but I can see the appeal and do believe that if you don't put yourself out there to something new, then you're really just missing out.
1: I think that sums it up, and and I hope that everybody's takeaway from the podcast isn't just that you're passionate about your toilet and that I'm passionate about drinking wine.
0: (laughs) I can't believe that that's like how we're wrapping it up this week (laughs) of all the crazy things in the world. (sighs) All right well everyone that's our episode for this week. Thank you to Brittany Osborne for joining me again. We'll be back next week with another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast.
1: Bye! We'll mm-hmm.